From the sidelines to the front lines, women in Saudi Arabia are joining the military for the first time in recent history. In September, photos of these determined women in service uniforms made a splash in media outlets everywhere in what is the latest display of just how far Saudi women have come since the ban on driving was lifted two years ago and the floodgates of opportunity were opened. Announced in 2016, Vision 2030 aims to transform the kingdom's social and economic model and open it up to the world. But it was really in 2019 that major and long-awaited changes to guardianship laws took place. Women were able to take more ownership of their careers, their finances, education and marital status. Legal, social and economic reform overcame traditions that have resisted change for many years. You're listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Neda Al-Tahir, and this week, we're marking Saudi National Day by speaking to the women who were once spectators, but have now become leaders and trailblazers of social change. Before we start, please subscribe to Beyond the Headlines on your favorite podcast app to get the latest episodes. Up until recently, most of the world's understanding of Saudi Arabia's social structure could be summarized by one sentence. It's the place where women couldn't drive. But as it celebrates 91 years of existence, Saudi Arabia's image on the global stage and indeed internally is almost unrecognizable. Even before the reforms began in 2019, it was clear that Saudi women were eager to serve bigger roles in the workforce. Women's participation there went up from 20 to 33% in just two years, hitting the 2030 goal with 10 years to spare. And that's despite the pandemic. The government launched an initiative to motivate women to work and employers to hire them. And part of that included dismantling bureaucratic hurdles that had once stonewalled many an entrepreneur. Saudi Arabia's first woman to serve as ambassador, Princess Rima bint Bandar Al Saud, spoke at a recent Atlantic Council event. Vision 2030 changed everything for me. She says she struggled with the old way of doing things in the kingdom, like many other women. We worked with the regulations as limiting as they were. But today, when I look at these young female entrepreneurs, the challenge isn't regulatory anymore. The challenge isn't really even financial anymore because the opportunities are there for financial development and support and growth. Mentorship is available. The limitation today is your dream. For people like Hayashad, the dream was always a reality that just needed to surface. She is part of Middle Beast, the region's biggest music event, launched in 2019, the same year that a royal decree was passed allowing music to be played in public venues. Born in Saudi Arabia, as a cultural tidal wave swept through the nation, Middle Beast has hosted industry giants like DJ Tiesto, David Guetta, and Afrojack. It is returning to Riyadh in December under its new name, Soundstorm. Bataya says the factors for social change were already in place. When you look at the social dynamics and the cultural uh, fabric of, of the society, the dynamics are already there. We've just not had a chance to engage with each other uh, as openly in, in the sort of uh, public spaces. Festivals like these, which were once unimaginable in Saudi Arabia's cultural landscape, 
and women's participation in them has brought Saudis living abroad back in. Haya is one of those people. Uh, prior to this, I was living in Dubai. And when I was living there, there was just one day that I woke up and I, I was like, what am I doing in Dubai when my, my home is going through a massive transformation? I want to be part of that change. And I see myself, along with many other young uh, professionals, that saw that happening in Saudi and were pulled towards coming back home. And she expects things to change even further, but only if people are willing to continue challenging the status quo. There are obviously you know, restrictions in place and the legal system in place that we have to follow. But I think there's this almost this gray area where you're encouraged to push it a little. But attracting international talent to a country where new scenes quite literally emerged overnight and social norms were being challenged wasn't always easy, especially for women. This is why having constant discussions about Saudi Arabia's present and future has been important to manifesting ideas and turning them into a reality. Um, I think there was, I would say, hesitation from uh, female performers uh, to come uh, to the festival as, as well um, because, of, because of the predominant narrative prior to this. Um, but I think we're constantly trying to change that through the stories that we tell and, you know, putting on these shows and, and, and just having this, this honest and candid conversation just as people interact with, with us, uh, they, they begin to sort of shift their perspective and have this openness uh, to explore this is precisely what Sheikha Tosari set out to do when she launched her website Saudi Women's Stories, which also aims to keep women up to speed on the ongoing legal changes that affect them. We want women to know the rights that are granted to them by the Saudi law and by the system. We felt it's important that we raise that awareness and we tell them, you have this right, take it. Sheikha's education focused on the image of women in the media and specifically Saudi women's depiction in the West. I have been working as a journalist for over like 10 years and covering women's rights and women issues in the Middle East and in Saudi Arabia. One of the things that I noticed while covering is uh, the perception of Saudi women is always not accurate. Uh, it's mostly based on um, perception of uh, Orientalist uh, perspective. So women are oppressed, women don't have rights, uh, and uh, they don't have... Um, any advancement in, in their lives, which is not true because living here and working and meeting a lot of Saudi women, I have seen different types, different uh, women working in different fields, uh, really making changes in their own communities and in the country. As the world watched Saudi Arabia begin to let women slowly but surely take control of their own destinies, Sheikha says it only took a few voices on her platform to encourage the rest to chime in with their very own stories, including in the fields that women simply did not exist in, in the public eye at least, before 2019. Like in the past, for example, there are like topics we couldn't really find a lot of women working in those fields or we cannot even feature. Like, for example, in sport, like sport in the past, like really we don't have like much of uh, Saudi women athletes. However, like after Vision 2030 and within the past two years, honestly, there are like so many 
uh, women athletes in different like fields. And it's, it's even like the number of those women are increasing. So those are the stories that we couldn't even do in the past because there wasn't like representative of those stories. Ambassador Rima herself said she tried to expand her all-women's gym in the early 2000s, but couldn't because her plan was incompatible with the way of life at the time. 16 years later, I was hired at the Ministry of Sport to deregulate the same uh, environment that I was actually trying to work in. Today, many Saudi women can pinpoint the exact moment when the rules that have often worked against them began to favor and even advocate for them instead. This breakthrough in the sports industry is exactly the chance that Lina Almaina's women's basketball team, Jeddah United, needed to flourish. Before laws against women's participation in sports were relaxed, Jeddah United found an interesting way to exist. Uh, it was at a time where it was impossible to get licensing for women's uh, clubs or women academies. Uh, therefore, we found a loophole, which was a commercial license, and it's been over 15 years now. The team even earned an entrepreneurship award, but now it's fully recognized and registered with the Saudi Arabian Basketball Federation. Women's sports teams like Lina's are expected to flourish even more under Vision 2030. I read that, you know, that the objective is to increase participation of sports from um, uh, from 13% to 40%, and I kept reading it, and it just was very much genderless. For me, it, it was, I think, one of the most beautiful moments of my life. We just heard from a handful of the hundreds, if not thousands, of women making strides each and every day in Saudi Arabia, in lockstep with the country's path towards equal opportunity for women in all fields, from politics to sports, entrepreneurship and entertainment. Their progress has been rapid and impressive, but the journey for Saudi women's rights is not over. So nowadays, women are granted so many rights, um, most importantly, like the, the right to drive, uh, the right to work without a guardianship, you know, the right to travel without uh, guardianship approval. So those are really key changes. Uh, there was like a lot of changes on the social arena. But the problem that I think that we still need to work on is raising awareness uh, socially. Because we would have all those amazing rights that are granted to women. However, we still have some resistance from certain families that, for example, they wouldn't allow the women, uh, their women to drive. They wouldn't allow women to work in a mixed environment and certain things like that. So those are the things that we need to work on. And those are the things that we need to change and improve. Other than that, also like we need to increase the number of women in leadership position. This is uh, this is one of the key uh, element of Vision 2030, and we are still need to work on that. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines. I've been your host, Nada Al-Tahir. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe. And if you have time, please leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think. Thanks this week to Ambassador Rima bint Bandar Al-Saud, Sheikh Dosari, Haya Shaad, and Lina Al-Maina. This week's episode was produced by Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison with reporting from Maryam Nihal.